0: To come into this world, especially now with generative AI, and not understand the opportunity that it presents, that's one of my missions. Algorithmic bias is literally human bias personified and magnified in an AI model. Machine learning models' algorithms are not broken. They're just untrained. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So now you're going to have a non-inclusive team managing a bunch of inclusive people? Like, ew. And so I think it's really important when you're building these types of teams to think, how do I get a symphony of talent? How do we get a little bit of everyone?
1: Welcome to the Disrupted Workforce Podcast, where we focus on the intersection
2: of the human experience, AI, and the future of work. Our mission is to help you prepare, navigate, and thrive. Thank you for caring about your future, for joining us on this journey, and for sharing these insights so we can all grow together. Stay connected by following us wherever you listen and subscribing to our YouTube channel.
1: TDW fans, welcome to part two of our fantastic conversation with Noel Russell. Noel is the two time MVP in AI for Microsoft, Accenture's global AI solution lead, and the founder of the AI Leadership Institute. Nate and I love this conversation, not only because of Noel's just incredible expertise and fluency and a decades-long career focused on AI and advanced technology but also because of her deeply human approach to teaching AI and leading the way and we laughed a lot we learned a lot we talked about AI literacy through simple and practical examples cutting through the fear getting to a deeper understanding of what's at stake if you don't build AI more responsibly And what happens when we combine AI and quantum computing for an even bolder new future? We know you're going to love this episode.
2: AI literacy is a core focus for you. How do you define AI literacy? For example, we talked, you just said, hey, you got to pick a lane. There's so many AIs out there. Which lane are you going to get into? And then, you know, generative AI is kind of the hottest AI topic right now, but how do you help people improve their AI literacy?
0: I think it's such an important question because so many people, you know, and you even say literacy and people are like, oh, that sounds like more complicated than it is, but really it's exposure. And as a matter of fact, the first thing I did, it was early last year, um, I created a generative AI user group and I didn't create it because I'm like a person that creates user groups. Like I just knew I wanted to get people together. And I will tell you the best thing happened. So if you have a little tiny inspiration in you as a listener and you're like, Oh my gosh, I should start a user group. You should, you should totally do it. Um, but people who showed up, we had 10 year olds we that were using Roblox and AI and Roblox. We had, you know, middle of career. We had early career. We had students. We had people who were over the age of 65. Like it was beautiful. You can go to our, our, we'll maybe give you the link so you can go check out. We have this picture of us now on our um, meetup homepage. Every time I look at, it, I'm like, that's. What literacy means? It means everybody gets to see it, and we see it from different angles. So user groups are beautiful because I will. We had that ten year old. We were just like, "Hey, if you want to present, you can." He's like, "Well, I'll show you what I what I built in Roblox." And I'm like, "Perfect!" And he got up in front of everybody and like shared what he did. It was so good; like I could cry. It was so good. Um, but that's what literacy means to me. Like it's not you're going to become literate in the sense like you're going to read a book or you're going to take a class. But like, how do you develop a sense of comfort? with this technology, comfort that gives you, and this is important, the psychological safety to ask more questions. And that's why these user groups or these connections, even if it's online, like I'm doing an iHeart AI challenge, right, this month, because I want people to just feel like, hey, I can come here and I can be new. I can just be getting started. I can ask questions and people will, you know, it's a safe, fun environment. Everyone's happy. Everyone's happy to help. Um, And those environments, I don't experience at work sometimes, right? Like I don't go to the office and feel like, oh my gosh, I could just like be free to, you know, ask any question I want. I often I'm like, oh my gosh, that person just told me, you obviously know this, but (laughs) I'm like, wait, but I don't know that. Right. Like, so, so it's less safe for me to be curious and play and literacy is all about like, how do I understand this technology enough to ask questions of it, to ask questions Uh, about it, to know mm -hmm. what is dangerous. Um, but to come you know, to, to come into a, this world, especially now with generative AI and not understand the opportunity that it presents. I just feel like it's, that's one of my missions, right? Is how do I just light up someone's world by just saying, Hey, I call it lamp lighting, right? Like, how do I just light a lamp so you could just see what's in there? And, and now mm-hmm. it's up to you, but showing versus telling, playing around and creating a psychologically safe space is a big part of what I, I consider creating a literate world around this technology.
2: I love that. I love your lamplighting. And I love it because it's so important right <laughs> now. There's a lot of fear around AI, and we have to be thoughtful to acknowledge that. We also have to be reasonable. There are going to be some downsides to this technology, and there are going to be some bad actors who use this technology in unfortunate ways. But I, I want to bring up something that a lot of people don't want to talk about, and I'll just do it very succinctly sometimes we're in AI conversations. Alex and I are definitely in a lot of them. And sometimes big fears come out and it can take the conversation into a downward spiral where it kind of goes into a dark place and people get hung up. What do you think we can do, we, the royal we, can do when conversations kind of head into that negative place? And then are there some risks there with the echo chamber?
0: Yeah, I think it's one of my biggest concerns, right? And I'm, of course, hypersensitive to it in the conversations that I have. But when I am watching a space, I will tell you actually one of my first viral TikTok videos, I talked about bias in AI. And it was the first time I was exposed to, like I did this very quick. It was like 30 seconds, maybe less than 30 seconds. It was just talking about how a model saw instead of seeing I gave it a you know picture of an african american instead of african american it saw something else and i was like um this is a problem and the amount of people mm. that chimed in and the fact that none of them knew ai at all like it was very apparent to me but it perpetuated all of this it started off like we should do you know you know me right you should do more <sighs> we should think more about this this is a great opportunity for responsibility like it was a very optimistic approach and then but the comments, like you said, they spiraled into this, like, AI is going to kill us all, basically. Yes, yes, doing. yes. And I realized that, you know, and then nobody really combated it, right? Like, And we know that that's not the truth. Um, however, sometimes, A, either we don't spend the time, or B, I just wonder, sometimes I'm in a world where people presume everyone knows everything. And in, and sometimes it's easy to believe that because you're in a room where everyone's like, "Yeah, yeah, I know that, yeah, I know that." even if they don't know it, they just say they know it because mm-hmm. you're in this yeah. like echo chamber where everyone's kind of agreeing with each other um, but the danger with that is that it creates this barrier so for those people who are scared, afraid, or who ask a question that maybe seems I don't know not as complex or not as educated as everyone else in that room, they're dismissed or, or worse, they're just ignored, and then they don't feel safe to ask those questions again. And so I just saw in that TikTok like list of comments, and I didn't delete it. I, I wanted it to be a reminder of like this is where humanity can go if you don't like have the the harmony, the balance that is required. So I want to still have that d- d- discussion. I want you to say, well, doesn't that mean? But then I want the re- like I want to break down that echo chamber and introduce academics and introduce industry professionals that can say. Hey, by the way, yeah, I know that looks like that's true here, but here's how we we had that experience, and here's how we fixed it. That's the piece mm. that's often missing, I think, is that people don't come in and say, "Oh, by the way, we solve for that." I am usually unique when I go to a company and tell them that uh, models that lie, hallucinations, that that's actually something we can avoid, and that there's pretty significant work in that space. It's the first time they've heard anyone say that. But you go on the media, and all it says is AI lies. That's it. There is no but we've also mm-hmm. created a, you know, a blueprint for architecting solutions that don't lie. That part's missing, and so I yeah. think, like with everything, trust what you hear. Verify, like verify mm-hmm. that you're not just talking to a group of people that maybe don't have your best holistic interests at heart.
1: <laughs> I love everything you just said, and I I do want to go a little bit further um, in a moment into. Algorithmic bias and how do we think about that? But I want to make a pit stop first, and I want to talk about this notion that we've been exploring here. We call it AI anxiety. We actually created a slide where the the A and the I are capitalized, <laughs> and the rest of the words less letters the rest of the letters anxiety are lowercase. So AI anxiety, right? And one of the things that I've always heard is move a muscle, change a thought, right? And I had a mentor, uh, Jeff Hoffman, who is one of the co-founders of Priceline. I His know Jeff. Big... I'm
0: sorry. You yeah, know yeah. Jeff? Yeah. Yes.
1: Awesome. You, you, you and Jeff, you—I could totally see you and Jeff having a ball together because he's <laughs> yeah. got such great energy, and he's so Agreed. endlessly positive, and he helps a lot of entrepreneurs. So one of Jeff's core kind of messages is, is get up off the couch. Like nothing's going to happen when you're sitting on the couch, get off the couch. And, you know, so much of your journey and your success has been rooted in, in this notion of learning by doing right. Mm-hmm. And that by doing these things, that's how we get out of this anxious state, taking an action, leading experiments, yes. trying new things. Now, we actually just invited an audience over the weekend to do just that. We gave a keynote for the International Interior Design Association on basically what is human excellence in the digital era. And there was a lot of fear about AI. We kind of walked them through these personal growth stories, professional growth stories, the convergence of personal and professional growth, and ultimately ended with a workshop inviting them into a generative AI 30-day challenge, right? And you're doing AI challenges all the time with your audience and community. I'd love to hear, we would love to hear why is this approach so core to what you do and what do you notice about what it creates and how it changes the energy in the groups that you work with?
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that's different about the way we do it now is like last, you know, I don't know, a year ago, maybe five years ago, we would have like wrote an ebook or something or we would have, you know, maybe, uh, wrote a book, book, like a, you know, an actual physical book, um, and given it to people and been like, read this. Um, but for all, you know, good or bad, we have much less attention spans now. And so I also find that, especially after. What
1: COVID, did
0: you just say? Sorry. Exactly. Right. Like seven seconds or something. <laughs> Um, and and it's, so we have this, you know, problem there. And then we also have what COVID did to us, which is like, we, we want to get together and we want to connect. Like there were times where a lot of us were like, Mm -hmm. wait a second, I haven't actually talked to anyone or met with anyone. And so these challenges I find, and you can call them anything you want, like you could webinars or whatever, but bringing people together and getting them to communicate together. I love challenges because. I'm ambitious, and I like leaderboards, and it's fun. It's actually better. My challenges doesn't it doesn't let me be on a leaderboard, which is a very big, like human exercise for me <laughs> to be somewhere mm-hmm. where I can't actually be like number one. But but creating these like engagement leaderboards and how we are rewarding people <laughs> is not because they read a class. It's based on their interaction with each other. So the more interaction they have with their fellow classmates or challenge mates the more, you know, accelerated their levels. And people go nuts for this. I mean, they love it. But what it also does is it creates a sense of fun. Um, It also is low investment on their part, but huge value on the back end. So in my case, there's lots of content that's like what I do in my challenges. Like you can go to Microsoft Learn and do a text-based, you know, five-module learn generative AI, but it's (laughs) text-based, you know, like... I don't know. And it's even really cool because you in the tech space, when you click a button and it takes you into an environment where you can build something. I have found, and I'm sure you probably found the same thing. Like most people, when they're given a book or go into a class like that, like their ability to complete the thing, like to actually finish the book or finish the lab exercise, like it's dismal numbers, like less than 10% of people who start things, finish them. But when you tie it into a community, right, you get all of these psychological benefits of accountability because people see you there of yep. connection of like there's all these like psychological and and um you know dopamine driving behaviors that allow you to not just learn what you want to learn but learn it in a way that increases your retention creates better relationships and makes you more successful at articulating what you've learned when you're done and i found like it's a it's a magical blend and that's why i always encourage people like you know if you have an opportunity you don't have to take a challenge per se, but it's the same thing with user groups, right? Showing up, being present, and then putting your fingers on a keyboard and do, and testing out whatever it is you're trying to learn. It's not enough to read anymore, I think, as a society. Like We need to be much more active in our approach to learning. And let's face it, the tech we're talking about, you learn by using it. It learns yeah. by you using it. and So it's critical to that path, yeah.
2: Speaking of people and culture, action learning, immersive learning, one of the things that you do when you start an AI project to help the culture is that you begin with values. Now, most people would not even pair these two things together. Why are we talking about human values when we're supposed to be here talking about this cool new tech? But we're not talking about the values on the wall. Like, you know, how some companies are like, oh, the values are on the website, but nobody knows them. No, you're talking about the actual values of the people sitting in the room, which we're excited to hear more about this approach and why it's so important to your work.
0: Yeah. One of the things I love to do, I use, I do lots of keynotes. So if you ever like watch me on LinkedIn or on social, you'll see all these keynotes that I do. But that's like the tip of the iceberg, right? The tip of the spear, if you will. Um, it's the very first thing I do with people. And then almost always afterwards, I'm surrounded by people who are like, oh my gosh, what about this and this and this? And they have all these questions. And so I will go to those organizations and I will sit with their executive teams. And I always say, the more diverse that team is, the better, right? I don't want just the technology executives, right? I want legal and finance and procurement and, you know, security, development, engineering, all of them. And normally they've never been in a room together, Mm. (laughs) or at least they don't do it very often. And I'm now going to try and, you know, build on what I talked to them about in a keynote, you know, inclusive engineering, the power of AI. And the first thing I will say is like, when you're building a new project, What's the first thing that you need to do? And I will ask them this question. And it's surprising to me. Well, it's maybe not surprising, but the first thing, it depends on who's in the room. If there's people on the tech side, they'll often be like, Oh, well, you need to know what data you have, right? Like that's the critical Mm. thing. (laughs) What data do you have will decide what solutions you build? And then the business people, right? The CMO, the CHRO, like (laughs) they'll be like, uh, I mean, I actually don't care about the data. I want to know what problem we're going to solve with this. Like, What exactly do I get for the effort that we're going to put in? What is the business value? And that immediately explained a huge gap that we had in our entire industry is that tech would build stuff and lob it over to business and business would be like, I mean, it's cool, but it doesn't actually solve the thing that hurts me right now. (laughs) So thank you. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm not sure what to do with this. And it creates this kind of lackluster relationship. So what we ended up doing was flipping that and bringing these people together, asking them this question, and then asking them as a whole to... And it's literally a whiteboard session, right? Where I write on a whiteboard and I say, tell me what your core values are as an organization. And I let all of them... And it's funny because there's this awkward silence because they're like, what if I say something that's not actually one of our core yeah. values? Yeah. And I'm like, save space. Like, save space. Just yell it out. And once we get them going, they start pulling out things like, you know, CMO is like, I care a lot about in in integrity in our customer communication channels. And then the software engineering team is going to say, well, we care a lot about making sure our code is reliable and secure. And all of these things, mm-hmm. like write them all down. And it's interesting what ends up happening is these executives look at all of these things across all of their organization and they start to see themes. But most importantly, what they thought was important to them, they start to realize, and actually I had one woman say, she's like, Okay, so I really want my thing that we're gonna do, but I actually realize that's better for the business, and it has not, mm-hmm. she has no direct benefit from it because of its alignment to the core values of a company. But uh, but I do always find that it's interesting because many organizations struggle with even understanding. And remember, we were talking about soft skills, like using mm-hmm. this technology to help them just cl- create clarity around what they want to do. What do you want to achieve as a company? And most Companies haven't thought about that holistically across their business. And so, yeah, you're right. It's very foreign. People are like, where are we going here? <laughs> like, is this an yeah. intervention? Like, what's happening? <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 you'll see. Cause the use cases we dr- derive will be directly correlated to your core values and it will make you committed to doing the right things to get those results. And it's critical to the successful projects I've seen go to production.
1: That's fantastic. I I love this notion of values. Every time you approach anything in your world, you do it in such a human centered way. And we just absolutely love that. And I want to talk about uh, the shift. uh, I want to shift away from values and I want to talk about voices. So we need a diverse representation and an accurate representation of values. We also need inclusive teams to do this right. So it's not just are we having the right conversation? Is it, it's, are we having the right conversation with the right group of people? How do we create more inclusive teams? And a follow-up on that, and I want you to keep me honest on this, is I believe the statistic is that only 1% of uh, the women in tech are Latina. Is that correct?
0: Yes, less than 1% actually,
1: sadly. Less than 1%. So <laughs> as we think about this conversation of rolling out AI, doing these projects the right way, getting inclusive team, the second part of that is how do we get more Latin tech?
0: Oh my gosh, 100%. Well, the uh, the team over at um, Latinas in Tech and Latin, uh, I just got an article published by Latin Style. They'll be happy to hear you say this because <laughs> I, I 100% look around and go, wow, there's not a lot of me around here, um, and eight, and there are a lot of like Latinos, Black, uh, you know, a lot of diversity ethnically in organizations. It's just where they are in the organization. And I will share very transparently, maybe vulnerably, that when I look at organizations that have numbers that identify how diverse they're trying to be, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's awesome! You want to achieve fifty percent gender parity? That's fantastic. But then I dig a little deeper and I never knew to do this before because it didn't occur to me that it would be different. But I then would say, okay, well, is that same number true for your executives? And the reality would be, oh no, it only applies to the roles beneath the executive team. And that's almost worse to me. (laughs) I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So now you're going to have a non-inclusive you know team managing a bunch of inclusive people? Like, ew. Anyway, so, so now I, I think very like, like, come on, like, let's, let's think about this. And I don't think it's, I know it's not intentional, right? I know it. I, I'm positive because the people are so proud of their results. But if it doesn't go all the way to the top, it's almost like you didn't do it at all. Like it, you have to go all in on this. So that being said, so I, I appreciate you mentioning it because I, I, of course, am a big passionate fan of exposing. And that's why literacy is so important because most people um, in like, even in Miami, I created the first, I have now four, but my first generative AI user group was in Miami for exactly that reason, because people in Miami didn't even know it was an option to build a career in this space because they're told mm. in high school that they'll be vocational. Like that's, it's just a systemic bias that seeps into the educational system that says, I mean, you probably won't even go to college. Like that's the default mentality especially in rural, anywhere that's rural in the United States. People are told, you might not go to college. And maybe they don't, but that doesn't mean you're now going to work at McDonald's. Not that that's bad, but it doesn't define your path. Like You get to choose. Um, and in this world, especially, we're starting to see my, the benefit, going back to the you know first part of that question, the benefit of that level of diversity in teams. I want, when I build teams and I built a team at Amazon, um, And another, I built multiple teams at Amazon and then another set of teams at Microsoft. And during that time, I would look for people, not just that were gender diverse and ethnically diverse, of course, do that. If you can see it, you should do it. But then I would look mm. much deeper. I used to call it a symphony of talent. Like I want a little bit of everyone. I'm not looking to have an all-women team or an all-woman panel, though I've been asked to do those. But I actually shy away from those because I want diversity of thought. And that's not gonna mean like, I don't want any what white male te- team members like. <laughs> sometimes we over-index on diversity, and it ends up building not diverse teams at all. We end up being mono, like <laughs> homogenous, yeah. um, in a yeah, just a yeah. new way. And so I think it's really important when you're building these types of teams to think: How do I get a symphony of talent? How do we get a little bit of everyone? And everyone, I, I mean, like people who own cats and dogs because they think differently. Um, and I'm a cat owner. So I should tell don't don't hate me or at me about that. <laughs> 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 um, but I love cats. And um, I'm actually a dog owner in cat owner like experience. But um, but that being said, like, I also want people who came from traditional educational experiences like Harvard and Ivy League and community and colleges. But I also want community colleges. I want people who never went to school and did everything via book learning. Like everyone's life experience brings this richness. Now that leads us to something that I think you all know, you, you probably have said, it's a bit of a cliche now, but like, how do we, when you have this diversity in your team, actually let them bring their authentic selves to work, mm-hmm. actually hear what they have to say? Because many times we'll build this beautifully inclusive team and then we actually don't let them have a voice <laughs> to do anything different. And that is, um, that's a challenge. So creating an inclusive team, yeah. The last thing I'll say about that is empathy. Let's just face it. It's hard to build an inclusive team. There's lots of reasons why there's not enough women in this space. Um, those that are here may not stay very long if they're not treated well. And the reality is, is that they're not being treated very well. So um, so it's not like we. the pipeline has been good. It's keeping, pe- keeping people of diverse yeah. backgrounds in tech that is actually our challenge. Um, but that being said, you also, if you can't sit there and say, I need more women, at least I'll tell you um, one thing I often do is I will ask people that I'm interviewing or that I'm interviewing with, I will ask them or I'll just look them up on LinkedIn and find out like, do you have a family? Do you have daughters? Just having daughters makes you more empathetic to females in the workplace. Um, But also, you know, like, do you have a child with special needs? I do. That makes you just generally empathetic overall. Like, not that I'm asking this as a modifier in a hiring conversation, but just knowing that about someone, being willing to let them be vulnerable enough to share who they are and what they bring to the office becomes extremely valuable when building AI models. And companies that know this are succeeding. Companies that don't will take much longer to get there. Um, and you can ask Microsoft and Amazon <laughs> yeah. you know, how long it took them to get to market um, because of that homogeneity.
1: I really love that point that you made around, um, how do I want to say this? There is a, you can have a palette of color, you can have a palette of gender, but if everybody went to the same school or has the same degree, even though their life experience will have been shaped by gender, by race, you're still getting closer to that groupthink and having the broader diversity of socioeconomic Standing of various degrees, of places in the world and the cultures that you grew up in, that adds a whole nother flavor of richness, but you have to create a container that encourages people to feel safe, to have conversations that are radically different, to agree to disagree, or you haven't achieved any of those objectives. You just have a really interesting group of people that are all being encouraged to think And talk and behave in the same way, and you screwed it all up.
0: Yeah, as if you 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 screwed it all. Maybe as if you did it already, or as if you didn't do it at all. (laughs) Like um, one quote uh, from an article recently from one of my friends um, at IBM. She was talking about responsible AI, but she said, "The wider your variance, the more standard your mean." And it's a it's a mathematical equation for diversity and why it's so important and inclusive thinking. Um, And I loved it because it speaks kind of to those academics, but the, and it's a, a scientifically mathematically proven, like it's a proof, like it's proven <laughs> that the wider your variance is in building something, the more standard and more ability you'll have to serve. And that's why I always say build AI that serves everyone and you can achieve that, but it's a function of how diverse your team is. And uh so for those mathematicians out there, um, I thought you might appreciate that quote. <laughs>
2: That's an awesome quote. Uh, the, the, The human side of diversity is a powerful angle and we must look at that. And you did an excellent job of painting that picture and taking us into that world and why that's such an important path for us as we go forward. Let's take a look at a really crisp example of how this manifests in artificial intelligence. So when you only have a certain type of person with a certain background developing a model, you start to end up with bias. So last summer, I attended Neocon, which is a conference in Chicago, where I saw Amy Webb give an excellent presentation called Designing Our Path Forward. I loved it. And near the end of the presentation, she said, I want to show you what bias looks like in generative AI. And we were all chomping at the bit. Can't wait to see what she's going to do. She takes ChatGPT in oh, yeah. mid-journey And she goes, I created some images. And I said to it, tell me what a CEO looks like for a large organization, all white males. Show me a medium organization, all white males. Show me a startup company. There was Out of all of those, there was one pseudo diverse person that came out and all male. And we're all just looking at this like, oh my gosh. But then she goes, get this. I'm going to ask it what a CEO looks like. For a tampon company, and it drops white male, right? And the whole my jaws on the floor. Everybody in the room, jaws are on the floor, <laughs> yeah. and we were like, "Oh my gosh!" And so she says oh, to us, real. "This is this is algorithmic bias. This is what happens when you don't have the right influences, diversity of thought, diversity of background, diversity of nationality and culture, and socioeconomic status and race and and so I just think it's such an important." example, when you see it like that in a room and everybody in the room instantly has the epiphany of, oh, this isn't good. (laughs) Right? So you do a lot of work around around this conversation and we'd love to get your thoughts on, okay, how do we recognize this and improve going forward? Yes. And
0: generative is is a bit unfortunate because it represents all the, like, it, it is a collection of data on the internet, hundreds of thousands of websites, trillion words that were extracted from the internet. And so it doesn't necessarily reflect, which is worse actually, but it doesn't reflect the development team as much as it reflects the humanity or, or the, at least the, the internet at the time. And I always ask people, like, if you look back and think about who made the internet, and some funny people will name a single politician about who created the internet, but no matter where your mind goes as to who made the internet, the reality is, is that not everyone had a chance to put content on a website. It was a certain group of people, like not every country on the planet submitted content. No, not everybody had web servers and app servers and things that they could use to contribute to a generative model. So as a result, it ends up being this slant, uh, that we see the, 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 the I wouldn't call it a failure, but the challenge we have is to have people before you launch something like that into production for a specific use case is to have people who would know to ask the question, what happens when I, as an, a black woman, ask a model a question like, who's, you know, uh, can I be a CEO or what does a CEO look like? Or I mean, I've asked questions like, what does an IBM consulting look, consultant look like? You can imagine what it does. And mm-hmm. then I asked all sorts mm-hmm. of cons- like what about a consultant at this company? This company, they all looked the same. I'm like, yeah. so consultants <laughs> look <like this."> um, <laughs> and they all wore the same kind of suit. Um anyways, it's fascinating. But the the reality is is that like it's okay that the model thinks that. I always tell people models, machine learning models, algorithms are not broken. They're just untrained, right? So it mm-hmm. means that no one has taken the opportunity to say that's not the right answer and teach it the right answer. So uh, a great book, actually, I talked to you guys about it when I first met you um, by Safia Noble, Dr. Safia Noble. It's called Algorithms of Oppression. It's a great book, but it talks about a different age. It talks about when Google owned the algorithm. So as a result of her work, Google and Meta um, both went into their algorithms and made changes to impact the way search worked. The challenge we have now is that these models are being built at scale, across lots of different surfaces, and nobody like, you know, and I used to never say this. I used to never say, oh my gosh, thanks to the leadership at Meta. (laughs) Like those were (laughs) the words I would say. But (laughs) now I realize in a world where that is disintegrated, uh, you know, autonomized across all these different companies, it's better to have at least a person who can come down and say, we need to fix that and we all fix it. And that's where, you know, to kind of dovetail back to something we said you know, earlier in our conversation, that's where regulation is really going to have to come in. Like, how do we enforce something that so many companies are doing? And without that type of regulation, it, what's worse is that funded bad actors, even if there's a good practice, even if the biggest companies in the world are doing it, these can be open models that bad actors use and they don't have to follow any rules. And if there's no, yes. you know, FTC or SEC to shut them down, I'm not sure, you know, like that's a pretty dangerous, dangerous spot, but bias in general can be mitigated, but it does require someone in the room to be like, like me, I'm always like, so have we thought about what that looks like for a child with Down syndrome or an adult with Down syndrome? Because I have a child with Down syndrome. Like, have we thought about what that looks like to, you know, someone who can't speak clearly or has a traumatic brain injury? Because my dad has had a traumatic brain injury. Like my lens of, is this going to work for everyone? is different because of my lived experience. But I, yeah. I have to admit, every serve, every team I'm on, it totally depends on the individual leader of that team, whether they even ask me my opinion. Like mm. They brought me to the company, they put me on the team, but they might not even ask. And that's why I say empathy is huge because you need leaders who are willing to ask the question and then take it seriously when they get an answer. And I don't think we've got a culture, an, a culture, I always say AI-ready culture, like our AI ready culture at the leadership level, I don't think is ready to even know that it's their job to ask the question, to extract the diverse answers. Like, I don't even know mm. that we do that as a, as a industry. And so that's, um, that's something that we're, we're working on fixing. You know, I work, of course, on fixing that every
1: day.
2: <laughs> you have a powerful quote on this. Bias begets empathy. By acknowledging our biases, we move toward empathy. Did you come up with that? Is that original Noelle Russell stamp?
0: I did. It, I, I mean, I hope so. Like nothing, I guess, is original. I <laughs> maybe my great-grandmother said it. Um, but it definitely, yeah. It, I actually think I coined it like in our conversation.
2: <laughs> I love, we were like, whoa.
0: I do that all the time. I'll say things. I'm like, wow, like Noelle brain. That was pretty good. Thing you said. <laughs> but it comes from direct experience, right? Like a hundred percent. A hundred percent that happens. Like as soon as you know what it is, you now know what to look for. Mm. And now you can create better processes to protect yourself against those type of things. Awareness, and I always say self-awareness is so important, but in specifically algorithmic bias is literally human bias personified and magnified in an AI model. And so like I always tell people, especially on my TikToks, when people get crazy and they're like, Oh my gosh, AI is so biased. I'm like, well, I mean, technically, that is humanity. Like the humans mm-hmm. that yeah. built it, the human data that trained it. Like that model didn't come up with that. Like we trained it on that. So I always say, if we want to build better AI, we kind of have to build better humans. <laughs> so mm. that's good news. We can all like step up and become. That's better
1: another humans. mic drop moment. I mean, wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's go. We got a lot. Let's of money go.
1: <laughs> I, I, I absolutely love this. I also, it's, it's, it's a perfect segue into, we wanted to ask you about your brand. And it's not just mic drop moments. It's you wearing iHeartAI t-shirts. Your digital community bears that name. And you even have your own Noel Funko Pop wearing that t-shirt. So tell us about the origin and the spirit of this fantastically inclusive, optimistic, and elevation-oriented brand?
0: I love it. Um, yeah. So no one's ever asked me the or- origin story. So this is awesome. I'll get to say it for the first time. But I ended up... I was working for Microsoft and I was doing a lot of executive briefing. So I was talking to like the Fortune 100. And back then it was about applied AI. Generative hadn't been built yet um, or launched. And so I was talking to them about how to use cognitive services, how to... leverage web developers to access AI models that they didn't fully understand similar stuff I'm doing now but this was you know eight years ago nine years ago and when I was doing that I realized um you know I wanted to like show Noelle I always say walking affirmation I wanted to be a walking affirmation of what I talked about and it was always about like AI is helpful you know I've always been optimistic and rationally so but optimistic and so the team built me a shirt that said "I Heart AI." They only made one of them, and it was in a terrible, like, material. You know, the like cheapest t shirt yes. you can buy.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. Um,
0: I still have it today, but you put it on, you're like, yeah, I don't want to wear this. Um, it, but yes. it, like, I loved that shirt. I wore it every client. I wore it, and every client would be like, oh my gosh, I love your t shirt. It totally, it, it frames like literally. I walk into a room and it frames people. Like, people already know. How I'm gonna talk about something. And they'll ask me hard questions and I will still like I, I understand enough about the technology to 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 understand the edges, but most importantly, I'm I'm optimistic about this because of what I've seen happen in the world in a positive way. And so that turned into hundreds, thousands of stages where I got on stage and every time I got in front of more than two people, I would wear this shirt. And so a couple of years ago, someone was like, Hey, do you sell that shirt? And I was like, I don't. <laughs> but I, I should now. and I don't sell it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got a merch site. Um, But uh so instead of selling it though, I was like, you know what? I, as I, I don't know, maybe it's me. I think it's a, as a developer, but I love getting swag when I do things like go to conferences, get mm. in challenges, take a test, whatever it is. I like swag. So I started launching these challenges. And as a result of being in the challenge and only if you were in and only if you finished, would you get instead of a certificate, you'd get an iHeart AI T-shirt? So there's like, you know, I don't know, a couple hundred people with this T-shirt in the world, and uh, <laughs> and so now I, I realized uh, February is coming up, right? And so I was like, oh my gosh, we have to build on this brand and call it like iHeart AI Month. <laughs> and so and now we're going to do this challenge, and everyone's going to get more T-shirts. But more importantly, it like sets people up, it frames people to go, this is going to be a positive experience without having to ever say that, like. People just feel good. People smile. They want to take selfies with me. Like it's super fun. Um, but yeah, that's how it started. It it started really with clients being like, oh my gosh, I it's so refreshing to see someone coming from an optimistic, how can we improve yes. as opposed to, wow, this is gonna hurt some people. <laughs> um and so not that it won't, and not that we don't have to be careful, but
2: Alex, let's get these shirts and we're gonna We're gonna totally wear it.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh.
1: Absolutely. I was thinking the exact same thing. But also, but also like an a- iHeart AI trucker hat. I just want to throw that in. I would okay. wear that all day long. <laughs> yeah.
0: Swagalicious. <laughs> I got you.
2: <laughs> Noel, we have one more question to ask you, and then we're going to take you into a speed round. And I'm very excited to ask you this question. You mentioned you are going to be pivoting away from your current role to build something new. So if it's okay, can you share a little bit about this big, exciting new journey?
0: Yes. And, it, and it's, a. Uh, I, I mean, I don't even want to say it's bittersweet because it's less bitter because it's so good. But it was hard. It was a hard decision because I had such an amazing year last year at Accenture building a generative AI practice. I talked to so many clients. Clients actually built stuff that I advised them to build. It was an incredible amount of momentum. And then coming out of the year, though, I, and every year, I'm always like, I, I mentioned I, I plan with my husband, we sit down, we kind of think about what we're going to do. And in our planning this year, we always think like, what is it by the end of next year? Do I want to be like, I did that? I built that. Um, I created that. Uh, and so he has his own. And of course, I fully support. And then I had this idea. And it was really around the same idea, like this I heart, you know, AI. But I wanted to create a, a vehicle for people to learn. Not just, you know, high-level learning, but really one of my biggest benefits of, of building a lot of this technology over the last decade, specifically in AI, is that I know what, you know, day one is all about, like the excitement and enthusiasm, the hype cycle, if you will. But so few people know what happens on day two. Like what happens after the POC is built? How do you get something into production? And so, um, Mm -hmm. I have a company called the AI Leadership Institute and we've forever, I've done keynotes and, um, workshops, but I wanted to bring a little bit more of that awareness. I always say the rising tide of AI, you know, it, it raises the boats, (laughs) all of the boats. Um, and so far I've been really focused on yachts, like the biggest companies in the world. Mm. And I want to reshift my focus. To raising the boats too, like the nonprofits, the small to medium-sized businesses. And I don't mean like new businesses that are one person. I mean like one million in revenue, two million, five million, ten million in revenue. Like these businesses that are are not on the list for the Accenture's, you know, Deloits of the world. But they need this technology just as much. And I and I find actually that at scale, they can make the biggest impact, right? Because they're often connecting, you know, they're not just doing these massive like Delta and Coca-Cola and these types of brands. Mm-hmm. doing all the work in the middle um and and there's not a lot of people serving them, certainly not with my expertise and my network. and so we are creating that's why we created the community. that's what um we're focused on and and we're gonna start off by taking on you know ten or fifteen of these clients to help them out, but hopefully we'll be able to scale the business uh, considerably over the year because there's like I said, it's just a gap I see in the market, and I'm just very passionate about helping them helping them do. And equalize—that's the other word I use. Like, I want to be an equalizer. I don't want it to just be the yachts. Like, why can't everybody like be a have a good experience and and serve their customers at the highest level? It shouldn't just be reserved for for the those who have the biggest pocketbooks.
2: That is beautiful. Or,
0: I guess wallets, whatever. <laughs> Thank
1: you. <laughs> we love that. That's uh, really, really amazing and exciting, and something that is so purpose built for who you are and yes. what you can do and the value you can add and yeah I love it it's it's just a beautiful growth of your platform your voice and um the gifts that you bring into this world
0: Thank you very much. Yes, I am uh, super excited about it. You know, it's it's rare. I always call it the guy, right? People yep. have uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, I went yeah. through that multiple years ago. But like this is literally that thing, right? Where I, yeah. I happen to be good at a thing I happen to love that thing. And oh my goodness, does the world need it right now? And so I'm jumping in both feet.
2: (laughs) Also something that Alex and I can deeply relate to is this burning desire to want to build something that is from your heart and it's taking all of your gifts and you're going to invest in this thing like you've never invested in anything before as a contribution back during one of the most disrupted times in human history. Like this gift that you're going to give is going to be a great equalizer. So we want to be your biggest fans. We want to take this and sing it from the mountaintops. And trust me, we will do that as much and as often as possible. Now, I'm going to take you into a speed round. 60 seconds. You're going to go with your gut, go with whatever's on the tip of your tongue. And Alex is going to kick us off.
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay.
2: All right.
1: You completed Stanford's inaugural generative AI certificate program. What are a few great yet low cost or free gen AI training programs our audience should consider?
0: Oh my gosh, this is great. Um, so that's all I guess the round question, but I will do it fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I actually have a, a document called upskilling.ai where I list all my free courses that I recommend, but I'm going to give you the top three because most people don't Like if I give you a list of 40, you're not going to do all 40 anyway. But uh, one of them is Microsoft Learn. Um, You can go to uh, aka.ms slash AI business school. Um, And, or you could just Google Microsoft AI business school. It's non, it's uh, industry agnostic and platform agnostic. So even though Microsoft put it together, they don't talk about Microsoft tech. It's just, how does AI apply? And it's not new, but it's extremely good, especially for someone just getting started. For those who are getting a little bit more further along, deeplearning.ai is one of my favorite platforms that I, you know, have a vision on my roadmap to teach a class for them one day. Um, but deeplearning.ai, it goes from non-technical all the way to technical. So head over there. You can get a certificate through Coursera if you want to pay to play, but it's all free content. It probably won't stay free all the time, but it's definitely free now. So that's the uh, second piece that I would go to. And then last, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention like learning by doing. So there is, um, a couple projects that I want you to take a look at. And you can actually just go to GitHub and you can search for uh, generative AI projects or Microsoft generative AI or Azure or AWS or any of those words. And you'll see these projects come up and they're tutorial based. Um, And so in the upskilling.ai book or or like free download thing, you can um, see links to those, but you could just as easily search for them. But that way you can actually build something. And I will tell you, when I started building solutions on GitHub, I did not know the language or how to code that language or anything. Like I learned by just building it. And so don't be intimidated if you don't know all of the things or even any of the things. Like just jump in and start playing around. And and now you have people like us to help you. So I'm happy to to connect on on LinkedIn or wherever to answer questions that people might have.
2: Fantastic. Awesome. We all have kids. So I have three kids, you have six kids, Alex has a kid. And here's a question that comes up a lot. How do we get kids ready? For this AI world and this AI conversation and frankly how can we keep them safe so what is your 60 second take on how do we think about AI and kids
0: yeah so I uh, I'm a tech mom so I'm a little bit biased uh, and I have a lot of things in place I monitor our network traffic um, there's an app if you are on any of the big technology internet providers there's an app and you can choose what your kids see I am intentional I do not monitor screen time just to give you a you know, like transparent. I don't say, Oh my gosh, you can't be on a screen, but I do monitor what they can actually get out of our network. <laughs> so, so I guess mm. it's a bit of policing. Um, but that being said, I encourage them to use technology. I encourage them to use Amazon Alexa. If they ask me a question, I encourage them to go ask. Um, and I do that because I want them to get in a world 10 years from now when they are in the workforce, they're going to be talking to their technology. So the more of that I can facilitate, the better. Um, mm. other things though. My rule of thumb as a a technology driven household is produce before you consume. And it's a weird rule for some, but I require them that they don't have to produce it for the internet. Like they don't have to build social media content, but they have to create something. Like they have to write it down. They have to say an announcement. Like they have to do something before they're allowed to just scroll inherently on social media. Um, and it's awesome because it shifts now they are looking for things to talk about. So at night, every night at dinner, okay, I'm over. But after every night at dinner, we do gratitude. So we go around and say what we're thankful for. And they use that as an opportunity to share the things that they're learning. So they're producing content to be shared at the table. And now when they go and look for content to watch, like they're literally not looking at it to just be like a past, like they're looking to find good content to share. So Mm. I think that's a good experience. um, And it shifts kind of, you're going to use it anyway. How do we use it in a way that educates, that inspires, that motivates, and it's really changed the dynamics of how we use tech in our house?
1: That's fantastic. That. Nate and I both do gratitude with our kids at the dinner table as well, and it's such a fantastic nice. really way like, oh, to connect.:
0: We're kindred.: <laughs>
1: <laughs> We are. We absolutely awesome. are. What are three mind-blowing or crazy use cases for generative AI that most people haven't heard about?
0: Um, this is hard because I always feel like I'm in a bit of an echo chamber where everyone's heard of everything. Um, one of the things I will tell you is uh, a new tool that I use, HeyGen. Um, HeyGen has this yes. concept of write an instant avatar. And the instant avatar, two minutes of me recording myself talking, it's able to not just synthesize my face, but also synthesize my voice. In two minutes. Like that's wow. In my mind, a little bit, I mean, it's scary and exciting. <laughs> you know, scare sighted. Um, but it is an interesting. So that's one thing I think is a something that most people don't realize. And I remember even seven years ago thinking I wanted to build a Noel bot that I could have tell my kids to wake up. And now you now that I have one, I'm like, oh, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> I don't want to do that. So uh, but I think it's important for people to see um see that. Another uh, really interesting use case I find fascinating is in the space of healthcare that now we're using um, artificial intelligence to detect uh, patterns in brain activity. So now they're using biometric detectors that sit on top of the head as a crown, and they are allowing people who have not had use of their legs to send biometric, meaning they're not like typing it in or saying it. They're just sending biometric signals to the machines on their legs and allowing them to walk. And it's like, we when you-
1: showed this video at our keynote on Saturday. We were mm. just as mind blown. This is crazy. Amazing, yeah. amazing, amazing, amazing. And then
0: cognitively, so that's like to do physical stuff. Cognitively, I was part of a project called Project Emma. And it was, again, using uh, algorithms to detect patterns in the brain that would cause Parkinson's or stutters mm-hmm. or um, tremors in the body. And using, there was a watch basically that you could put on and it wasn't a watch. It was like a watch band kind of thing. But they used like Raspberry Pi technology in the POC. Like it was fascinating, but you put it on and it would detect the tremor, send a a signal to the brain and the brain could stop the tremor. So it was, and it was continuous. So it allowed this woman... Um, And you can go look at this on YouTube if you want to search for Project Emma, but allow this woman for the first time she was in her thirties or forties, and for the first time ever she could write her name and she was a designer. so imagine wow. being drawn to art, being drawn to design, and never being able to draw a box or her name and by the end, you know by the end of this project, she was allowed to draw her name, and you see her like extremely emotional, like I've never written my own name before, and you're just like,
2: ah! Wow. <laughs> it's
0: amazing, and so these are the types of things that just like. More of that, please. Like this is not this is technology, of course, that can be dangerous and can hurt people, but by goodness, for goodness sakes, it is improving people's lives and it is changing like the integrity of people's lives in such meaningful ways. We should lean into understanding a lot more of that.
2: Wow. We are the disrupted workforce and we always ask a question about disruption. We're three years into massive disruption. AI is certainly one of those, specifically generative AI. What does the future of work mean to someone like you that is on the bleeding edge?
0: Oh, goodness. I, I actually am a bit, um, I mean, it maybe echo some of the things we talked about already, but I was part of a team at Miami-Dade College here in South Florida where we created a brand new program. And this program was called the uh, Applied AI Program. And I was one of the loudest voices in that program to create a program that did not require all the mathematics that is needed when you go into a scientific you know, domain. And I would I I would fight and literally was like argument like very high level arguments with the mathematicians who were like oh my gosh no you need trigonometry and you need this and this and I'm like you really don't like I am a practitioner I didn't do any of that I use it every day you don't need it like let's figure out what you need not what you wish they had not what you think they mm-hmm. need and here's a funny thing about bias a lot of people think I did it this way so you should do it this way like I know and and so but that hurts you on the others like for me that's exactly how i think but my mathematicians are like hey i had to take 2 years of math in order to be good at this so everyone else should take 2 years of math and i was like we're not doing that so i fought for it anyway that program is now launched um and it they were hoping to get 50 people in the first semester it got 300 like <laughs> super exciting but it opened the floodgates to a demographic that did not see themselves in technology and ironically, are desperately needed in technology. Like those diverse voices, people that come from different places that are not classically trained at Ivy League universities. Like mm. these are the people that are going to bring humanity into the technology. Um, And there isn't really very many on-ramps to that, especially if you were raised in a family that said girls aren't good at math or girls don't become physicists. Like I I'm the, that was what I was told. Like I wanted to be a physicist in the ninth grade. And my teacher was like, I mean... You could play around with it, but like that's not the thing you're gonna do <laughs> was, okay, like I didn't even know to argue, so we have to you know how do we create more on ramps for people who care about this technology because they read a book like a science fiction book or something? How do we encourage them to go down that path um so yeah, so I think the future of work is really gonna be creating more divergent ways of getting into the space and celebrating that diversity at scale on some of these much larger software teams.
1: Noel, looking back, you have accomplished so much. What is new and next for you this year?
0: Oh, yeah. So I've got a couple of new things. One, um, I am actually... So last year, I did a lot of speaking on stages. But this year, uh, one thing I didn't have, which everybody who gets on a stage has, and you guys are probably doing it as well, everyone had a book. Um, So this year, I'm writing a book. I'm actually working uh, with Wiley, um, the publishing organization. Uh, Most people in my field know them. But Huge, huge opportunity. Uh, but I is finally that, need is a book. That
1: Wiley GPT or <laughs> <laughs> <That's just kidding.
0: laughs> wouldn't that be awesome? Um, but actually it was it was really interesting because um the nice thing about me is like I've been saying the same thing for decades, right? So it's not like I'm four months in and I'm using GPT to generate my content like Everyone knows what I say. It's just a chance to codify it into a, a vehicle that I've not used before. And, and let's face it, I, I mean, I personally have always wanted to like write a book. <laughs> it's like a thing. So, so I'm That's excited awesome. for that. I'm also going to be at South by Southwest in Sydney, Australia this year. I'm also going to wow, be um, at a conference for startups in New Zealand in April and uh, May. So. So I have a lot of really cool opportunities to share this broader than just like the the world I've been in so far, um, and that's what I'm really excited about. And of course, the iHeart AI community, which we are launching like right now, it's happening. So so excited to have a chance to talk about it here on the show.
1: We heart Noel. It has been amazing, amazing, amazing to have you on. Really,
0: thank you so much. It was my pleasure as well.
2: <laughs> there are people that we meet in life who are a powerful force for good. And we love all of them. You are special. You are doing your thing and bringing this huge heart Don't make me cry. at the exact time we need it. At a time when there's a lot of concern about this new technology, you are the powerful voice for AI saying, hey, we can make a more inclusive world. We can break down bias barriers. We can create a community that fundamentally changes the lives of people who have been in very difficult situations for a long time. And you're bearing that message, inviting everyone to come along with you. It is powerful, it is inspiring, and we are so grateful to have you on the show.
0: Yay, thank you so much. I couldn't have said that better myself. It's <laughs> uh, exactly the hope I have, thank you.
1: <laughs> Noel. where are the best places for people to find you and learn more about your work and connect?
0: I always encourage people to connect with me like for reals on LinkedIn um, to connect. Don't just follow. Uh, you'll have to go to like the little three dots and connect with me so we can actually message back and forth. Um, and then, of course, I will mention our new community. It's at school. S-K-O-O-L dot com slash iheartai, all spelled out. Um, and that is the best way because I'm live in that community all the time. Um, we're about to start, uh, you know, in the month of February's is I Heart AI month. So I do content every single day in there uh, about what I learned, how I did what I did. I mean, I always like to tell people, like, I am not classically trained in generative AI. Like, I just learned it. I just happened to learn it two years ago. And so I can accelerate. I turned my, you know, years into days for people. And it's extremely fun, very rewarding. Um, and like you said, a lot of people walk away feeling inspired and motivated in a time where we're kind of surrounded by fear and disappointment. So, so I hope to be that for some of your listeners.
1: (laughs) You certainly are. Thank you.
2: Thank you for joining us on this journey in a world where attention is scarce and content is abundant. It means a lot to learn more about this episode, go to disruptedwork.com forward slash podcast to find show notes, guest details, and connect with us. The best way you
1: can support the show is to follow us wherever you listen and subscribe to our YouTube channel. To help others in the future of work, spread the word by rating and reviewing the podcast and sharing your favorite episodes with those you care about. Remember, disruption is a gift.